Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In our number 877-381-3811 Welcome back I got an email from Ron Maxwell director, producer and he wrote this to me and I thought it was very very important He wrote, it's not safe, guys. We're not in Kansas anymore. Steer clear of any and all urban areas. One wrong turn could be the last one taken. If it's in a democratic-controlled city, there will be no police, no one to protect you. Here's the hard truth. We're now living in a partially occupied country. If the Democrats win the national election in November, it will become a totally occupied country. Their 21st century version of the brown-shirted thugs of pre-war Germany, posing as the opposite of what they really are, will be rampant all across America. Others have endured, even triumphed in these conditions, but it took time. Decades. We must look to their example. Lech Walesa in occupied Poland. Vaclav Havel in occupied Czechoslovakia. Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Soviet Union. To pretend otherwise is to indulge a dangerous delusion. When you cannot speak your own mind without fear of retribution or even of physical harm, you're no longer living in a free country. When you realize that you are pre-editing what you say or what you write in public, you are no longer living in a free country. When you are not safe in your own streets, you are no longer living in a free country. And he's right. He's right. 
chaos is coming to Mayberry, writes Leo Homan, leohoman.com. The majority of Americans still have no idea that they are living in the midst of a low-boil civil war. They sit back on comfy couches, watch on TV or computer screens little snippets of the new normal. They see chaos enveloping large cities, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Baltimore, Chicago, New York, D.C., but don't believe it will come to their small city or the suburbs. They believe Dr. Anthony Fauci and certain health experts who tell them it's best to stay inside, even as they watch increasingly shocking events play out on their illuminated screens. For the lack of a better term, let's call these people the believers. They take whatever is said by their favorite media personalities, their politician of choice, at face value, and have lost all ability to engage in critical thinking skills if they ever had any to begin with. They'll only realize that they are being herded like sheep into a new type of society, where authorities talk down to citizens and bark orders at them, like a parent would scold a child after the low boil gets turned up to a roaring flame. The heat has in fact already been turned up from low to medium, as attacks on random cops and Trump supporters have resulted in death and severe injury to dozens in the above-mentioned cities. The cancel culture is escalating. It's no longer just people's freedom of speech being curtailed, but their very thoughts. To sit in silence as the revolution proceeds is no longer acceptable. You must actively and enthusiastically voice your support for its twisted values. White silence is violence, shout the protesters, described in the media as mostly peaceful. Own your white privilege and learn to control your implicit bias. The HR departments of big corporations instruct their human capital, formerly called employees. It's been going on for years at public schools, universities, and corporate workplaces. But now the thought police are venturing outside of these spaces to engage with the general public. And you never know when you might encounter one of their jackbooted thugs. It happened in Roanoke, Virginia last Friday, August 28. In an incident that did not get reported in any media until now. Joe Mantle, not his real name, was sitting with his girlfriend in an outdoor dining area along the downtown square in Roanoke about 6.30 p.m. They were among about 100 diners enjoying a summer evening of rare socializing during the ongoing COVID-19 restrictions imposed by Democrat Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. Roanoke has a black mayor and a black police chief, but that hasn't stopped large crowds of Black Lives Matter protesters from holding rallies throughout downtown, demanding an end to what they believe is the nationwide targeted killings of black men by systematically racist police departments. Suddenly, while dining near the 202 restaurant in the city market area, Joe heard loud voices along the street leading to the outdoor cafe. A group of at least half a dozen men, dressed all in black with black face masks, entered the outdoor dining area. As they moved toward the center, they started talking to diners in an aggressive manner. Now Roanoke is no tiny town. Its population is 100,000. It's home to several small colleges, but nor is it anywhere near the size of Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, or Washington. The intruders, who appeared to be in their early to mid-20s, 
identified themselves as Black Lives Matter. When Joe saw what was going on, he got up and approached his waitress. We're not here to support BLM. We didn't come here for that. We're not going to have a conversation about this. And that made them, the agitators, very angry, he said. We'd already ordered our food. I told the waitress, I'll pay you for the dinner, but we're not going to stay under these circumstances. You can either control the environment or we have to leave. Well, not seeing any police or any action on the part of the restaurant staff to remove the agitators, Joe and his girlfriend got up to leave. I just told her we're going to walk back to my place three or four blocks away, so we walked down a side street toward my apartment. That's when things got, as Joe described it, pretty crazy. After they'd proceeded about a block and a half from downtown, Joe noticed four of the black-clad agitators, three white men and one African-American, heading toward the couple yelling, no justice, no peace. I didn't really know what to do. They saw us and we saw them, Joe said. They started walking faster toward us. I just told her to run in the opposite direction and try to get back downtown area where all the people were. I can't run because I have a foot issue. She was frantic and upset. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I wasn't going to let them run over the top of me. I'm just not that type of guy. Joe, an options trader and former radio talk show host in his early 50s, tried to stay calm, believing perhaps he could draw on his gift of gab and talk his way out of a dangerous situation. The conversation lasted about five minutes. The more they engaged, the angrier the group of agitators became. It came down to this, Joe said. They said, you either raise your fist in solidarity or you get on the ground and lay before us and beg for forgiveness. The four men were yelling at the top of their voices at me. As the conversation started to run in circles, Joe could see it wasn't going anywhere. He issued the following ultimatum. He said, I will not be lying down before you, and I will not be raising my fist. So I would suggest you calmly walk away from me right now, he said. The four men started laughing. One of them leaned toward me and tried to hit me with his right arm. I just ducked out of the way and he missed me. Then I hit him in the throat as hard as I could. He landed on the ground, Joe said. The other guy proceeded to attack me, so I hit him hard. They could not breathe. One was crying and the other was screaming in a lot of pain. The third Black Lives Matter thug flew into a rage. I'm going to kill you right now, he yelled. I just put my hand to my side, didn't say anything. He took a bold swing with a stick, which looked like a broom handle. I caught it in my hand, and I caught him off guard, and he went face first in the sidewalk. I think he broke his nose. There was blood everywhere. When he looked up, the fourth Black Lives Matter agitator was gone. The other three were getting up and walking away. By the time a police officer arrived, all of them were gone. My girlfriend saw it all from a distance. It was only our fifth date. She was like, I've never been on a date like this in my life. I said, well, neither have I. Joe stands 5 feet 11 inches and weighs about 198 pounds. He said at least two of the attackers appeared bigger. I never imagined something like this would happen in Roanoke. I've seen it happening elsewhere since they started calling for defunding the police, he said. But looking back, the signs were there. 
He said Black Lives Matter held daily protest rally for weeks in front of the city police station. The mayor of Roanoke, Sherman Lee, allowed BLM to paint its anti-police graffiti on a portion of the highway leading up to the center square. Quote, he's a Democrat mayor, so he let them put that out there. On a personal level, I've asked to speak to the mayor about financial issues related to the budget, and he refused to have a conversation or meet with me. But ironically, the lady from Black Lives Matter said she had met with the mayor three or four times. I told her, imagine that. I'm trying to look out for the financial fortunes of the city, and you're with what I consider a terrorist organization. You get to meet with the mayor, but I don't. Joe won't be going downtown anymore. He won't be eating downtown anymore. He said, we were having a great time up to the point they started harassing people. We've never seen anything like this before in our city. There will be no more freedom in the world if we fail to stop this in America. If you stand up to them, they're less likely to cause problems. And that's what we need to do as a town, as a county, as a nation, he added. And sheriffs need to deputize people right now to be ready to defend their towns. These in-your-face public demands to submit to BLM are not just happening in Washington and now Roanoke. Rochester, New York, right there in a McDonald's. Rochester, New York, an elderly couple eating outside a restaurant. Remember, the believers will need to see the violence right in their own city or county before they'll acknowledge there's a problem. They don't realize they won't be able to sit this one out. They won't be able to watch on the sidelines and stay above the fray. The believers have been conditioned. And I'm talking about, by the way, when he talks about all these suburbanites who feel they're going to vote Democrat. The believers have been conditioned to believe technocrats like Dr. Fauci, the politicized, the politicized scientist who picks and chooses the science of the day based on how he wishes to manipulate the herd. They appear to represent the majority right now in America, living in an alternate reality of their own convenience. They're the ones who wouldn't hesitate to call the police or the health inspector on a restaurant owner who wasn't requiring masks or the grocer who isn't making customers obey all the rules laid out by the government. But others of us aren't so gullible. They have discernment to read the signs of times and are already preparing for the day when the lever currently set on medium boil gets turned up to high whether it comes next week or next month or next year they know it's coming they know it's coming it's coming it's here it's spreading I'll be right back Mark Lovin Now I know you love freedom how do I know that? Because you listen to my show, and my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. 
You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. See, the number one defense we have against the Marxist anarchists is law enforcement. When George Soros funded scores of elections for prosecutors had no intention of prosecuting criminals and every intention of prosecuting police officers, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was funding a counter-revolution in the United States. These radical progressive mayors in these cities, uh, when they're watching the riots, the looting and the burning, they have no stake in small businesses. They have no stake in capitalism. They have no stake in defending, quote-unquote, white people or even people of color who are part of the system. The Democrat Party has been a very evil and diabolical party for a very long time. Little periods of respite here and there. But it had no problem being the force behind slavery and the Civil War. No problem being the the force behind decades of segregation. It had no problems of being the force behind decades of Violating the voting rights of minorities with poll taxes and literacy text, Jim Crow, generally. It had no problem fighting every single civil rights act that's ever been offered. And now, of course, it uses the very same people. The very same people it used to abuse to continue to try and gain power. And now they call themselves democratic socialists or progressives. They're Marxists. An American form of Marxism, but they are Marxists. And they will do whatever they have to do for power. It's party first. Now after the bottom of the hour, we're going to take a little bit more time so you can understand exactly what's taking place here. Who's behind it? and the ideology that they are embracing. This is why when people say, Mark, what do you do for a hobby? This is what I do. I study freedom and I study tyranny. This is what I do. And more on tyranny when I return. Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. 
one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading Imprimus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. What Levin says today... What the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. I consider this one of the most important programs I've ever done. So I hope you'll stick with me. I have in front of me several books. Most of the people who've written these books you've never heard of before. But they've had enormous influence on this country. People say ignore the elitists, ignore the intellectuals, never ignore the elitists, never ignore the intellectuals. And by elite, I don't mean substantively elite, I mean the so-called masterminds. They're the ones who push the agenda. I have a book in front of me called Marx and Education by Gene Anion. Ever hear of Gene Anion? Radical Possibilities, Public Policy, Urban Education, and a New Social Movement. Gene Anion. This is just tip of the iceberg. Ever hear of Herbert Marcuse? Well, every living Marxist has. Everybody in Black Lives Matter has. Everybody in Antifa has. And half the members of the Democrat caucus in Congress have. He was a Marxist philosopher in France and then in the United States. Case Studies in Diversity and Social Justice Education by Gorski and Pathini. Ever hear of them? This one you know. Rules for Radicals. Saul Linsky. Jay Rosen. What are journalists for? One of the individuals who has radically altered in a tremendously harmful way journalism in this country. I have scores of books like this. These are the people who, who are fundamentally transforming your nation. They're not alone. Colleges and universities are filled with tenured professors like this. Now you've heard of Cloward and Piven. I've talked about them many times. Francis Fox Piven and Richard A. Cloward. Both professors. Columbia. Wrote many, many essays. And I want to read something to you. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. The title of the the collection of essays for this book they have is 
the breaking of the American social compact. I think that tells you what they want to do. They say the American social compact was forged in response to the protest movements of the 30s and 60s. Now, after two decades of relative quiescence by the poor and the working class, the programs are under sustained attack. Unless new protest movements emerge, the victories of the 30s and 60s will be rolled back, indeed are already being rolled back. Now, when you hear them talk about the poor, it doesn't really matter. They could be talking about blacks, Latinos, uh, Hispanics, it doesn't matter. They say, we think poor people win, and by that they mean minorities and others, mainly when they mobilize in disruptive protests. For the obvious reason, they lack the resources to exert influence in conventional ways, such as forming organizations, petitioning, lobbying, influencing the media, buying politicians. By disruptive protest, we mean acts such as incendiarism, riots, sit-ins, other forms of civil disobedience, great surges and demands for relief benefits, rent strikes, wildcat strikes, or obstructing production by stopping assembly lines, or, you know, burning down buildings, interrupting people at restaurants. They call it the the disruption argument, which they first made in 1963. Mass disruption, they say, both its emergence and its successes, is closely related to electoral politics. On the one hand, poor people, or you can say Antifa or BLM, do not ordinarily rise up if they sense no support from at least a significant fraction of regime leaders as is likely to be the case when the dominant party is secure. Then these people are likely to be treated roughly or ignored, and when a regime is insecure, it is more likely to, to bargain actively for support. It may then issue appeals, which signals vulnerability to demands from the bottom. In other words, you burn enough stuff, you loot enough stuff, you riot enough, disrupt enough, then the system will bend the regime will become insecure. Now you've seen that in many cities, haven't you? And they go on, of course, I'm not going to read the whole book. Once protest movements and electoral dissensus, so rather than consensus, they coined this word half a, de- half a century ago, dissensus, in other words, breaking up. Once protest movements and electoral dissensus subsided in each period, the victories won were eroded. The losses are not likely to be reversed easily. To save social programs, it's likely to take protests at least on the scale it took to win them. In other words, riots. Some signs of mass protest have emerged in other advanced capitalist countries, France, Germany, Italy, Canada, for example, The question is whether such protests will continue and spread even in the United States. Gee, I wonder. Will it? They go on. Social movements thrive on conflict. By contrast, electoral politics demands strategies of consensus and coalition. Movements have the impact they do on electoral politics mainly because the the issues they raise... And the strife they generate 
widen cleavages among voter groups. We call this dissensus politics to differentiate it from the usual process of building electoral influence by recruiting adherents, assembling coalitions, or what might be called consensus politics. We think the evidence suggests that movements play a large role, perhaps a determining role, in the periodic electoral de-alignments and realignments that bring new regimes to power and usher in new public policy areas in American history. Other conditions must also be present before movements can cause destabilizing cleavages. Movements are not likely to have much impact unless economic and social conditions are already eroding established electoral alliances and allegiances and coalitions. So the coronavirus was exploited by these people. They sat and they waited. Then the George Floyd thing hit and they ignited the gas. It was all planned. It was all planned. They talk about the significance of dissensus politics, in other words, of destroying alignments, of consensus. Once the role of parties in electoral democracy is acknowledged, so is the likelihood of a host of systematic distortions of voter preferences. To understand the importance of movements in electoral politics, we must appreciate not only the the influences that distort the essentially democratic mission of organizing voter majorities, but the deeply conservative tendencies of electoral politics, even apart from such distortions, in a two-party system. To win state office, party leaders and their candidates must build broad majorities. They strive to do this by holding the allegiance of those who voted for them in the past, while attracting marginal voters for the contending party. To do this, they try to avoid conflict and search instead for the consensual appeals and promises that preserve, and if possible, enlarge existing voting coalitions. And so they write that their job is to destroy that whole narrative. They say what we need, because of the immobility of the two-party system, is an electoral realignment through periodic convulsions called realignments. We need an accumulated political tension resulting from the failure of the party system to respond to the problems generated by a dynamic capitalist economy and static party system. And so they must press, they say, the potential for realignment which the two parties seek to suppress. Just as people had to be mobilized to support parties, they write, and the issues and candidates they put forward, so do they have to be mobilized to desert them. Social movements are often the mobilizers of disaffection. We think social movements are politically effective precisely when they mobilize electoral disaffection. A fragmented governmental system in the United States means that the opposition party usually continues to control some part of the government apparatus. And so it is itself constrained by the need to hold together a majority by promoting consensus. And by the way, you know who their target is, Mr. Producer? The Democrat Party. They say we must control the Democrat Party. The Republican Party is useless. 
We must control the Democrat Party. And they do. Bernie Sanders knows exactly what I'm reading to you. Ilhan Omar, Rashid Talib, AOC, Presley, they know exactly what I'm reading to you. To appreciate the role of social movements in helping to precipitate electoral convulsion and realignment, we have to pay attention to the distinctive dynamics of social movements that enable them to do what party politicians do not. We emphasize the defiant and disruptive strategies of protest movements that arise among lower strata groups that have few regular political resources. We think the argument we're making here helps account for why disruptive protests, such as strikes or riots, sometimes force reform responses from the state. Social movements tend to emerge at moments when the electoral system itself signals the emergence of new potential conflicts. Signs of increased volatility appear in electoral politics, usually traceable to changes in the economy or social life that generate new discontents or encourage new aspirations. So they're opportunists, you see. The evidence of voter volatility in turn may prompt party leaders to do what they characteristically do to attempt to hold together their coalition. Only now they will employ more expansive rhetoric, acknowledging grievances among their constituents that are ordinarily ignored or naming and thus perhaps fueling aspirations that are only beginning to emerge, like systemic racism. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you see how the corporations follow too. After the riot, oh, there's systemic racism. Oh, BLM and painted on our courts and in our streets and all the rest. Movements can break the monopoly of the politics, at least for a brief moment. Movements mount marches and rallies, strikes and sit-ins, theatrical and sometimes violent confrontation. The inflammatory rhetoric and dramatic representations of collective indignation associated with these tactics project new definition of social reality. You see all this. Or definitions of the social reality of new groups into public discourse. They change understandings, not only of what is real, but what is possible and what is just. As a result, grievances that are otherwise naturalized or submerged become political issues. Movements raise new issues, and when new issues take center stage of politics, the balance of political forces changes, and it goes on. That is exactly what's taking place. Riots. Riots. Changing the language. Changing the issues. With the system buckling. Looking for accommodation. Looking for peace. The universities. Corporations. Professional sports. All appeasing and if not worse. Embracing the disintegration of the civil society. I'll be right back. Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The demands of uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa have nothing to do with race. Race is a fig leaf. You'll notice more and more of the people rioting under the uh, nomenclature Black Lives Matter are white. So it could be race. It could be the environment. It could be immigration. It could be economics. It doesn't really matter. I watched the suckers, uh, LeBron James and others, Oprah Winfrey, who throw in with this and don't have the foggiest idea what they're throwing in with. I watched the Never Trumpers and people like Mitt Romney and Ben Sass, who have no idea what's taking place in this country. They think they're smart, they're actually quite crude and stupid. Most of the Republicans have no idea what's taking place in this country. The president does. Instinctively. Instinctively. Which is why they hate him with such a passion. They were hoping for a Bush or a Romney or a McCain type or something like that. Who would buckle. Trump is not buckling. Trump is not accommodating the the Marxist left, he's fighting them. He's fighting their mouthpieces in the media. He's fighting their intellectuals in academia. He's fighting them in the culture in Hollywood, and he's fighting them in the Democrat Party. This is beyond conservative liberal. It's beyond Republican Democrat. Well beyond. We've got a lot more. You're not going to hear this anywhere else, I guarantee it. And I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The reason why... You didn't hear a single person 
utter a single syllable about the riots during the Democrat convention is because the Democrat Party is now part of the counter-revolution, just as it was leading the way during slavery and triggered the Civil War, just as it was leaving, leading the way in segregation that went on for a hundred years, just as it opposed virtually every Civil Rights Act. And now it's leading the way to the destruction of a constitutional republic and a capitalist system. The Democrat Party is a vessel through which hostile ideologies work their will on this country. That's exactly what's taking place now. This group, Black Lives Matter, is not about blacks. It's about overthrowing the country. That's what it's about. It's when you have fools like LeBron James and fools like Oprah Winfrey and fools like Nancy Pelosi and fools like Chuck Schumer. They bend to this. Now Kamala Harris, I want to talk about her for a moment. We'll circle back, but I want to get to some of this. This guy, Jacob Blake, raped repeatedly his former girlfriend, did things to her that I cannot discuss on the radio. That day he was shot, did things to her that I cannot discuss on the radio. He brutally sexually assaulted her, including in her bed when one of her three children was sleeping right next to her. She already had a protective order to prevent him from coming close to her, but he didn't care. He didn't care. He's a felon. Not a victim of anything. He had three of his own kids in tow. He resisted arrest. They tased him twice. It had no effect. Got into a physical brawl with the officers. With their guns drawn, but it didn't matter. Then he walks around to the driver's side of the car, opens the door, reaches in, and he's shot. Turns out there was a knife on the floorboard. His father, you know the old line, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, has said some horrific things about Jews, about Christians, about this country. A thorough and complete anti-Semite, which is a huge problem in growing in the black community. So Kamala Harris visits the family. She says it's a wonderful family. Kamala Harris is proud of Jacob Blake Jr., the man who sexually assaulted, raped his ex-girlfriend, despite the fact there was a protective order. 
Counts included third-degree sexual assault, criminal trespass, disorderly conduct, any criminal complaint that had been issued by the state of Wisconsin. And yet sports figures, Hollywood figures, come to the man's defense. Kamala Harris didn't think to speak to the victim, to the ex-girlfriend, so much for the Me Too movement. Kamala Harris, who believed every allegation against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, She was proud to meet Jacob Blake. She's proud of him. Proud of him? Joe Biden goes to Kenosha, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And in Kenosha, Wisconsin, he's proud to meet the family. That would be the same Joe Biden who just a few months ago, Kamala Harris said that she believed the dozen or so women who came forward and said that he had fondled them inappropriately. Kamala Harris is a demagogue. She's a very, very dangerous individual. Very dangerous. So the woman who was repeatedly abused sexually, repeatedly abused, domestic abuse, got no attention whatsoever. None. Just like Tara Reid. Tara Reid accused Joe Biden of molesting her, of raping her effectively, digitally. No big deal. Me Too movement, not a problem anymore. Megyn Kelly. Kudos to Megyn Kelly. The Hill newspaper picked it up. Megyn Kelly slams Kamala Harris for saying she's proud of Jacob Blake. Proud of him, wrote Megyn Kelly. He's accused of breaking into a sleeping woman's house, sexually assaulting her, humiliating her, and later returning to harass her. Then the cops she called for help say he resisted arrest, assaulted them, and went for his knife. How about a word for his victim, Senator? Then you have Ben Crump showing up everywhere, the civil rights lawyer for for Blake. In a moving moment, he says, Jacob Blake Jr. told Senator Harris that he was proud of her. And the senator told Jacob that she was also proud of him and how he's working through his pain. Really. Police said a knife was found in Blake's car after police shot him in the back. And they claimed he ignored orders to drop it. So he had the knife. But of course his attorneys dispute the claim the knife was in his hand. And so forth. No, you're supposed to believe that the officer showed up and they just shot the guy in the back seven times. That's it. That's all you saw in the video. Tiana Lowe writing... At the Washington Examiner writes, for every Jacob Blake, there are millions of Jacob Blake's victims. Millions. 
and the women in the suburbs who feel they're going to vote for Joe Biden because he's such a decent guy. And Kamala Harris could be the first woman, vice president, maybe even president. There's no reason to be proud of either of these political hacks. Either of them, for anything. It's absolutely appalling. And now they, they run ads that in Donald Trump's America, all this violence is occurring. Because they think you're stupid. They think you're stupid like the base of the Democrat Party is stupid. They think the American people are going to buy the fact that the President of the United States has the power to move into these cities and into these states and to put down the riots. Joe Biden hasn't called out a single mayor. Why? Because they're Democrats. Joe Biden hasn't called out a single governor. Why? Because they're Democrats. Now he's upset about the riots. What are we, day 110 or something in Portland and Joe Biden now is talking about the riots? He didn't say a damn thing about it until now because the polls show that the American people are concerned about this? Concerned about the riots? Let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. What exactly would Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do about the riots? We haven't heard a thing. What would they do? They won't even tell their party colleagues, the mayors, to put down the riots. What would they do? They wouldn't do anything. They have no intention of doing anything about the riots. Why? Because they're part of the counter-revolution. They've embraced Black Lives Matter. They've embraced Antifa. How do I know that? Not only by their silence in the face of looting and burning and all the rest of it, but I read their 110-page document, their Communist Manifesto. It might as well have been written by Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and was by Bernie Sanders. It is an extremist document that will touch each and every one of you in profoundly horrific ways. Whether it's your schools, whether it's your communities, whether it's your health care, whether it's public safety, whether it's your income, they not only want to tax income, they want to tax wealth. That is, things that you've accumulated and already paid taxes on. Do you know this? They want open borders. Illegal aliens get free everything, including health care. This is who they are. They're going to destroy Medicare. Destroy Social Security. Because the more havoc, the more anarchy, the more people turn to government. It's an odd thing, but it's true. And the bureaucracy is owned, hook, line, and sinker by the Democrat Party. The Republican Party has no idea what's taking place in this country. You hear the platitudes when some of them show up on Fox. But they have no idea what's fundamentally taking place in this country. Tim Scott has no idea what's taking place in this country. None. Mitch McConnell has no idea what's taking place in this country. These are not race riots. This is a Marxist counter-revolution. 
these ideologues, these professors, these idea people, the masterminds, they're Marxists. And so they'll use race if they think it'll work. They'll use the economy if they think it'll work. They'll use immigration if they think it'll work. They'll use climate change if they think it'll work. It doesn't matter. But they're poised. They're poised. And the virus and the shutdowns and the unemployment. Bureaucrats still getting paid but staying home. Teachers, for the most part, still getting paid and staying home. Millennials not going to college. Perfect. The stars are all aligned. And then blame Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump fights back. He doesn't roll over. He won't accommodate these counter-revolutionaries. He fights back. They would much prefer a Romney. Or a Ben Sass. Or George Bush. Or your typical Republican. That's what they prefer. Not a fighter. Who pushes back. I'll be right back. In today's digital age. Where cyber threats loom larger than ever. Safeguarding your personal information. Is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Who else doesn't Kamala Harris and Joe Biden defend? You had a black female police chief in Seattle who resigned. Did they defend her? You now have a black female police chief in Dallas. She resigned today. Did they defend her? You have a black male police chief in Rochester, New York, and his deputy, and a whole line of of commanders who have resigned, including one who is Hispanic. Did Biden and Harris come to their defense? No. No. So I say this isn't about race. Now, for Black Lives Matter, it's about race because it's a racist organization. They go up to an old couple that's white, eating outside a restaurant in Rochester, New York, who aren't bothering anybody, And this woman comes up, Black Lives Matter, big woman, calls them effing white this and effing white that and takes one of their drinks and drinks it and obviously scares the hell out of this elderly couple. In Rochester, New York, you have a McDonald's. 
The manager is a black gentleman, African-American. So he offers to feed and to give beverages to the Black Lives Matter protester. He thinks that'll settle them down, but of course it doesn't settle them down. And they come in the store, they come in the restaurant, screaming and yelling, a bullhorn in this guy's ear. And then the biggest among them threatens to get into a fight with the, with the manager. People who are trying to earn a living, not earning a whole lot of money, or retired senior citizens, trying to have a meal, and people in the suburbs think this isn't going to affect them? And what kind of leadership has Joe Biden shown? He attacks Trump. Not his own party, not his own mayors, not his own governors, all of whom he's relying on, all of whom are going to vote and organize for him. Nothing. He says nothing about them and nothing to them. That's the kind of leader Biden's going to be? That's a joke. He would have more influence on those mayors and those governors being of his party if he spoke up and told them to do something than the Republican president of the United States. But Biden doesn't do that. Kamala Harris goes, meets a felon who for God knows how many times has sexually molested his ex-girlfriend in a horrific way in front of her child. And now he's a hero. He's a hero. Now, the, uh, the head of the police in Rochester said, as a man of integrity, I will not sit idly by while outside entities attempt to destroy my character. The events over the past week are an attempt to destroy my character and integrity. The members of the Rochester Police Department and the greater Rochester community know my reputation, know what I stand for, the mischaracterization and politicization of the actions that I took after being informed of Mr. Prude's death, it's not based on facts and is not what I stand for. Deputy Chief Joseph Morabito announced his retirement after more than 34 years. Deputy Chief Mark Simmons is returning to the rank of lieutenant. He doesn't want to command anything anymore. Commander Fabian Rivera announced his retirement. Commander Henry Favors returning to his previous rank of lieutenant. And Joe Biden and Harris, a Democrat-run and controlled city, what do they have to say? Nothing. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. Oh, it's Trump's fault. And we have idiots all over this country who believe it. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin. Tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, my conservative friends, if you're not a member of AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, this is the day you should join. AMAC represents those who genuinely care about our country. 
our Constitution, the nation's future. Let's be honest, America is under siege. Only one membership group gives you benefits and discounts plus deep convictions to defend America's values, and that's not the AARP. In fact, AMAC was created to counter the AARP. Please join AMAC like I have, because they stand guard all 2 million members and growing to save the future. The left is tearing this country down, defacing churches, defacing our Constitution, destroying small businesses. But AMAC is in the arena every day in every way, and you could be too if you join now. Their alerts, magazine, website, and social media keep you informed on what's happening. AMAC's national benefits and discounts save you money. Lots of money. Most of all, AMAC is the embodiment of what we believe in. And they fight for it every day. So please visit AMAC. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I want to strongly encourage you to join today. That's AMAC dot U-S. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Everybody's taxes are going to go up. Now, let me ask you a question. Joe Biden says such a thing. How many of you can afford to pay more taxes? I mean, my God. You're clawing your way out of this pandemic. You need your money. But let's listen to this. Joe Biden in Pennsylvania yesterday cut one go. You said you want to tax super wealthy. Can you define that? Is that a, a couple making $200,000 no, a year? Or? No, one making more than 400000 But everybody's taxes are going to go up to 30. Those folks above that, they're going to go up to 36.9%. Uh, so let's stop a minute. There's been an analysis of this. Everybody's taxes are going up. Everybody. And just to explain this again to you, you have people who run small businesses. You have people who run small businesses. And they file tax returns as individuals. And so, <clears throat> let's say they net $400,000 a year. That's their adju- Well, let's say it's their adjusted gross income. So he's going to slam them with almost a federal income tax of 40%. Now, that is money that you need to hire people. That is money that you need to reinvest in your business. That's money maybe you need to to buy more supplies or God knows what. It's not a lot of money when you're running a small business, as any small business person can tell you. So the government's going to take 40%? That's just the federal government. These states are going crazy now, too. So by the time you're done with a state income tax, a federal income tax, property taxes, and all the rest, you're going to be paying 55-60% on the dollar. That will kill the economy. Kill it. And they're only getting started. I promise you they're going to attack the inheritance tax. You don't need $10 million for free to pass on, even though you've paid a tax on it. But who does that affect the most? People who are said to be worth $10 million but don't have $10 million, like farmers and ranchers and small business people. They have to literally liquidate their businesses, liquidate their farms, liquidate their ranches in order to pay the taxes, which they've already paid once. 
Because in Joe Biden's America, the government comes first. In Joe Biden's America, the bureaucrats come first. In Joe Biden's America, you can go to hell. That's why. But they talk about the super wealthy. The super wealthy. I'm worried about other people. But they can't help it. They're Marxist rhetoric. Go ahead. And so you're in a situation where that will generate billions and billions of dollars in taxes. Right now, what's happening? You're paying a heck of a lot more tax than someone making a billion dollars in many No, you're not. I mean... How stupid is this? You're paying a lot more taxes than somebody making a billion dollars? Ladies and gentlemen, they're ra- he's going to raise your taxes. Forget about somebody makes a billion dollars. This is the shiny object they always wave in front of your face. Tell me, why do you think all these Democrat billionaires are backing Biden? Do you think they think Biden's going to hurt them? No. Biden's going to hurt you. George Soros is going to hurt you. Tom Steyer is going to hurt you. Bill Gates is going to hurt you. Oprah Winfrey is going to hurt you. They're all targeting you. Blue collar, white collar, you. Because you're the ones they need to control. Tell me this. These rioters in the street, are they burning down any homes of billionaires? No. The little guy. The little guy. They're burning down the little guy's businesses. They're not building, they're not burning down any billionaires. In fact, I'll go even further. All these people that come out for Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they have nothing to fear. Nothing. They're not worried in the least. Many of them fund them. Go ahead. They're able to avoid almost all their taxes. That's just simply wrong. It's not punishing anybody. It's just saying corporate America, as well as the super wealthy, just pay Okay, if you are a small business person, and you have an adjusted gross income of $400,000, you are not super wealthy, you're not a billionaire, you're paying your fair share in taxes. I live in this county, Loudoun County, they beat the hell out of you. They got a business tax. They got an equipment tax. They have a gross income tax. Then the state hits you at 5.5%. Then the feds hit you. Then you got property taxes. And that's on top of all these other taxes. Payroll taxes. Who the hell are they kidding? Who the hell are they kidding? This is why we can't compete all over the world when the liberals take over. They're punishing you. And they want you to believe they're punishing some guy down the street who's a billionaire. sickening and it's a lie the Democrats have to raise your taxes they have to and they have to raise it a lot more than Joe Biden's saying Joe Biden's a liar they're going to raise your taxes and they're going to raise them a lot more than they're saying because they need to find money even though they'll deficit spend to the to the end of the day they still need to find your money They're not looking out for the private sector. This 110-page document, they don't even believe in the private sector. They reject capitalism. 
And you're going to be so overwhelmed with regulations involving climate change, involving immigration, involving new government programs, involving affirmative action, involving this, that, and the other. You won't, your head's going to spin. You won't know what the hell hit you. And these morons in the suburbs, I, I think Joe uh, is a decent guy. Like this idiot Kasich and the idiot Snyder and the idiot Whitman and, all, and the idiot uh, Romney. Why well, I, I think Biden, uh, he's a great, he's a, he's a decent guy. He's no radical. He's going to destroy the suburbs, destroy them. And by the way, the suburbs are the most diverse part of our society. More diverse than the inner cities. They're diverse. Almost 40% of the suburbs now are non-white. You wouldn't know that, would you? You wouldn't know that. Inter, interracial marriage is way up. These are good things, by the way. Interracial marriage is way up. You wouldn't know that either, would you? No, of course you wouldn't. Because they're not going to tell you that. Minorities in America do far better than minorities in any other part of the world. Period. Period. Which is why so many people who are not white try to pour over our border illegally and legally. Just pointing it out, it's the truth. Then they attack the president, you see. They've attacked him for the riots. And then they attack him for the China virus. The idiot governor of New York, who has an IQ of negative 14, when he's not killing senior citizens with a policy that leads to mass death, which we talked about first here as a result of a caller to this program, now, so it's not the China virus, it's the European virus. You see, the Chinese went to Europe, places like Italy, and then they came to America. This guy's an idiot. The virus didn't start in Italy, you moron. The virus didn't start in France. The virus didn't start in the UK. It started in Wuhan, China. And that's where it needed to be controlled. Meanwhile, in New York, the guy's got like 60-70% popularity. Who the hell wants to live there anymore? I'm being honest with you. How can you live there? Look at your neighbors. They're morons. Not you, your neighbors. Look at this. Oh, by the way, this Mayor DiCamio, you want to hear this? So for my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, this coming Sunday, I wanted to have an interview with... Bill DiCamio. I didn't tell you this, Mr. Producer. So I told the Fox people, the producers and the booking people over the weekend during the holiday, get a hold of DiCamio and tell him I want to interview him on Life, Liberty, and Levin. I thought that would be pretty cool. You know what they said, Mr. Producer? They didn't even answer us. They ignored us. What's he worried about? What's he hiding for? What's he scared of? It's just little old me. So I want to make it public, a public invitation to Bill, I'll even call you by your name, de Blasio. Come on, Life, Liberty, and Levin, and let's debate. Let's debate what you're doing to your restaurants. Let's debate what you did to the first responders, the greatest police force on the face of the earth. Let's debate the crime rate. Let's debate the murder rate and the shooting rate. 
Let's debate your schools. Let's debate it all, pal. Let's debate your background with the Sandinistas. I'm not your average talk show host, am I? And they must know it because they run from me. He runs from me. Tough guy. Brooklyn the Red. The old Red, Bernie Sanders. He doesn't want to talk to me. Of course, Biden, he's a moron. Oh, I, Mr. Producer, would you reach out to Kamala Harris, please? Kamala Harris. Tell her we would like to discuss her position on vaccines. Kamala Harris is such an idiot. She actually believes that Donald Trump is in a laboratory producing a vaccine. I, I'm not going to, I don't trust the vaccine under Donald Trump. It's produced by Pfizer, by Johnson & Johnson, by other reputable pharmaceutical American companies. No, no, I, 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 don't, I don't really trust it. This is one dumb human being. I'm quite serious. Very dumb. Clawed her way to the top. Clawed her way to, well, actually did more, but you get the point. Kamala Harris. She's proud of a multiple sex offender. Proud of her father, an anti-Semite. She doesn't trust a vaccine under Trump, like the President of the United States created the vaccine. Who does she trust the vaccine under? What an idiot. Idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So what's Joe Biden's plan to deal with the riots, ladies and gentlemen, when he won't even tell his mayors and his governors of the same party to do anything about it? What's his plan? He said he would take funds from local police forces, too. So what's his plan? When we have a federal courthouse in Portland under attack, what would Joe Biden have done? I'm curious. We know what Nancy Pelosi called them, stormtroopers. Federal law enforcement protecting a federal courthouse. Nancy Pelosi called them stormtroopers. Jim Clyburn called them Gestapo. Nazis. They don't talk that way anymore because the polls collapsed. Isn't that interesting? What are these suburban women going to do when their precious schools have to take in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens with open borders. What are they going to do then? What are they going to do when single-family housing is prevented by the federal government? This is the plan. Read their damn report. Read it. What are they going to do? And by the way, people of all races, what are they going to do? They choose not to be informed? It's out there. What are they going to do when Black Lives Matter comes up to them? To their homes. Like the McCloskeys had to deal with. Or to their cafes when they're eating outside. Like that senior citizen couple had to do. Or when they storm a McDonald's. Unexpectedly. What are they going to do in the suburbs then? 
What's Joe Biden going to do? What's Kamala Harris going to do? What's LeBron James going to do? What's Nancy Pelosi going to do? Nothing. These are their voters. Remember what one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter said. Remember, Mr. Producer? We'll pull that audio up for next hour, okay? Their number one job is to defeat Trump. So a Marxist organization that's involved in violence in 48 states. Excuse me. 48 of the top 50 metropolitan areas in the country. Violence. Violence. Their number one goal is to remove Trump. Because they want Biden. And they want Harris. That's why. You know, uh, one of the things we're learning right now is the difference between what we conservatives believe and what the radical left believe. We believe in the rule of law. They believe in anarchy. We respect our founders and our history, and they want to tear them down. We believe in liberty, and they believe in tyranny. We believe in the truth. Well, they believe in what they hear on CNN or reading in the New York Times. Our friends at the Media Research Center have captured this beautifully in some billboards they just put up. And they read, believe in America, not the media. Now, you can't really believe in both these days, can you? People who believe in our country and love our country aren't watching CNN or reading the New York Times. That's where people go when they want to hear how terrible America is. And I think this is the perfect rallying cry for these times. Believe in America, not the media. The MRC is also making bumper stickers that say this. And you can get one free. Free. By going to MRCsticker.com. That's MRCsticker.com. Get your free Believe in America, not the media bumper sticker from the MRC today. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that's MRCsticker.com. Isn't it also interesting who Black Lives Matter embraces? Marx. Marx was a racist. Marx was a racist. Right now, the biggest communist regime on the face of the earth, China, is a racist regime. It's so bizarre. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Yes, I will take some calls this hour, so if you're really interested, now's the time to jump in. A lot to get to still, though. This is Patrice Colliers, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, a Marxist anarchist. Just to underscore a point I made earlier, their target is to get rid of Donald Trump. 
so that they can pursue their, their counter-revolution. And they know that Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders will be sympathetic. They know that Pelosi and Schumer will be sympathetic. And they know that Biden is an empty suit and he'll do what he's told. Go ahead. I heard a lot of criticism of former Vice President Joe Biden from civil rights activists. Um, the election obviously will be a choice. How do you think Biden matches up compared to President Trump when it comes to these issues that are important to you? Well, um, hands down, Trump not only needs to not be in office in November, uh, but he should resign now. Um, we, Trump needs to Listen, be listen to this idiot. She just resign now. Why? Because she says so. Who is she? Nobody. Go ahead. He's not fit for office. And so what we are going to push for is a move to get Trump out while we're also going to continue to push and pressure uh, Vice President Joe Biden around his policies and relationship to policing and criminalization. That's going to be important. But our goal is to get Trump out. Ah, that's the goal. Black Lives Matter and the Democrat Party, simpatico. You notice, even when Biden criticizes rioting, which he's done in the last few days, just because he has to, he then never condemns Black Lives Matter by name. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? And no reporter is going to be able to get to him, and if they do, they're never going to ask him, why don't you condemn the violence of Black Lives Matter? Why don't you condemn their anti-Semitism? Why don't you condemn their attack on the family, because it's in their mission statement? Why don't you condemn Black Lives Matter? By name. He'll never do it. He'll never do it. Anthony Fauci is actually a very strange person. Cheryl Chumley at the Washington Times has it pretty well uh, figured out. Now, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Director Anthony Fauci, along with his agency colleague, the epidemiologist David Morins, warned in a report in the science journal Cell that if humans don't make significant changes in all activities, that more diseases, more terrible health issues like COVID-19 will soon come. It's called Emerging Pandemic Diseases, How We Got to COVID-19, and it's presented as a scientific look at why we're where we are today with the coronavirus, and more importantly, what we can do to keep from facing such dramatic disease-tied devastation in the future. But a better title might be How to Take Over the World One Medical Fear at a Time. Here's an example of why to worry. Quote, In looking at the recent spate of deadly emergencies, we must now ask whether human behaviors that perturb the human microbial status quo have reached a tipping point that forecasts the inevitability of an acceleration of disease emergency, Fauci and Morins wrote. They go on to ponder the land use and human activities that have perhaps contributed to these disease emergencies, like forestry burns, overfishing, urban crowding, the gathering of fans at sporting events, and human relocations around the globe, like almost everything else humans do. And they conclude this, quote, Living in greater harmony with nature will require changes in human behavior, as well as other radical changes that may take decades to achieve, Rebuilding the infrastructures of human existence, from cities to homes to workplaces to water and sewer systems to recreational and gathering venues, unquote. Fauci is a left-wing kook. Everything must change, everything. Here's another quote. 
Evidence suggests that SARS, MERS, and COVID-19 are only the latest examples of deadly barrage of coming coronavirus and other emergencies, they wrote. The COVID-19 pandemic is yet another reminder that in a human-dominated world, that in a human-dominated world in which our human activities represent aggressive, damaging, and unbalanced interactions with nature, we will increasingly provoke new disease emergencies. So humans are the aggressors. Here's some of their suggested courses of action. We need to strengthen the United Nations, they said. We need to bolster the powers, particularly of the World Health Organization. We need to rely more on the recommendations and collaborative findings of the global community to help steer humanity to disease safety, specifically by preventing bioweapons development, they advised. That's Fauci. He's a kook. He's a left-winger. Wear the mask. Stay in the house. Don't leave. Don't breathe. Now you understand why he didn't give a damn if the economy opened. And of course, now you understand why Biden would listen to him and shut down the economy. Biden said he would shut down the country. Well, I didn't really mean it. Biden said he would end fracking. Well, I didn't really mean it. He means it. He just wants your vote. He means every damn bit of it. The Daily Beast, which is a crap news outlet. And not just the Daily Beast, The Nation, which is an ultra-leftist magazine. The Nation, is Trump planning a coup d'etat? The Daily Beast headline, the left secretly preps for MAGA violence after election day. So Trump is planning a coup d'etat against Biden. And MAGA, you, supporters, are going to be violent after election day. Let me ask you a question. Who's rioting? Are those Trump supporters? Are those Republicans? Are those conservatives? Who's looting? Are those Republicans, Trump supporters, conservatives? Who's burning down buildings? Who's threatening little old men and little old women? Who's demanding that people put their fist in the air and repeat slogans that are given to them? Or they will threaten them? Who's going into McDonald's looking for fights? (laughs) This is the people that the nation... And the Daily Beast support, and who no doubt read these rags. Is Trump planning a coup d'etat, asked the nation. Many observers, including Republicans, worry that he is. They're organizing now to stop him. This is why they have this whole mail-in voting scheme going on. And among others, they talk to Charles Freed. Harvard Law School professor. I know Charles Freed. I work with Freed at the uh, Department of Justice. He's a bizarre guy, very bizarre, in my opinion. But he's getting ready for Trump because, you know, his family fled, as they say, the nation, Nazi occupation in Czechoslovakia. And so, of course, he has to worry about Trump because, ipso facto, you know, Trump's like a Nazi. It's so sick. And then the Daily Beast 
Last week, a coalition of leading progressive groups gathered on Zoom to begin organizing for what they envision as the post-election day political apocalypse scenario. So they are creating this apocalypse scenario. They're going to create a constitutional crisis. That is the plan. They want to prevent Trump from staying in the Oval Office. If Trump wins, they'll say he lost. If Trump challenges the ballots in these mail-in ballots, they'll say he's a, uh, a dictator. And they need to send in the military, according to Bernie Sanders, with Schumer's support, to remove him. And the violence. I was there on that Thursday night when the president spoke, and many of his family members and others spoke at the Republican convention on the South Lawn. And I am telling you how the media lie. That every person who left the White House grounds Worried about their safety. Some worried about their lives. As the Marxist mob descended on the White House. Violent. And notice that the nation and the Daily Beast have no problem with that. You leave the White House grounds, (coughs) excuse me, and you face a mob, a violent mob. So it's the Democrats, it's the Marxists, it's Black Lives Matter, Antifa. They're the ones that have been rioting, looting, burning with the support of the Democrat Party. And the best the Democrat Party can do now is send Biden out every now and then to say, I don't support rioting or looting no matter who does it. Who's doing it, Joe? Who's doing it, Joe? Must be the Klan. And the neo-Nazis, they're the ones. America hates the Klan and the neo-Nazis. And America has to learn to hate Black Lives Matter and Antifa with the same amount of resolve. Because all these extremist organizations hate the country and are trying to destroy us from within. The difference is I recognize this and you recognize this. But the Democrat Party is saddled up to the other side. To the nuts on the left. Whereas we reject the nuts on the left and the nuts on the right as constitutional conservatives. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. The left secretly preps for MAGA violence after Election Day, writes the Daily Beast. How about the 
left preparing to deal with violence today by the left. What a stupid sight, the Daily Beast and the nation. Always on the side of the enemy. Throughout the Cold War, in my humble opinion. But the left secretly preps for MAGA violence after the election. We have left-wing violence today in the streets. Today. But they don't seem to care. They say nothing. Biden in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Sunday. A beautiful part of Pennsylvania. I'm a Pennsylvanian myself. Cut eight, go. You know, you got, uh, um, you know, six, more than six million people uh, infected with COVID. <clears throat> You're heading toward uh, the 200,000, above 200,000 range of people who have died from COVID. First of all, they, they, look how he can't wait. He can't wait till we hit 200,000. It's a number they, they like. It's a round number. It's a big number. And they act like it's the president's fault. It's a virus. It's a pandemic. Nothing the president did, nothing the United States did caused it. China caused it. Your buddy's over there, the communist Biden. The number of deaths. president has nothing to do with the number of deaths. Nothing whatsoever. What the hell do they expect him to do? And what do they think he can do constitutionally? The idiot already said, I can't mandate mass even though I want to because the Constitution doesn't allow it. So what would he mandate? So meanwhile, he's got this program, warp speed to get a vaccine and to get other therapeutics. And we may have a vaccine in October, November, by the first of the year. And they're accusing him of politicizing the process, trying to get it too fast. You ever heard anything like this in your life? The president has his his foot on the gas pedal. He wants to come up with vaccines and therapeutics that are going to save lives. Biden's out there waiting for the 200,000 dents so he can jump on it. And then they accuse the president of being political because he's in a hurry. Why is that political? He's in a hurry to save lives. What's he supposed to do when election's coming up? Tap the brakes? Should he tell the pharmaceutical companies to slow down? Have never heard of this kind of insanity? And again, what did Biden and Harris say about Cuomo and Murphy and Pritzker and Newsom when they were shoving Wuhan virus positive patients in nursing homes and assisted living homes? They haven't said a damn thing. Go ahead. Uh, he still has no plan. I mean, there's virtually no plan. What do you mean there's no plan, you idiot? He, he, he still has no plan. My dentures are loose here. He still has no plan. They're working on vaccines. They're working on therapeutics. Even more than that. As I've said before, he's a businessman. So what has he done? He realizes we need syringes. We need test tubes. We need all kinds of stuff in order to actually effectuate the use of the vaccine. So he's already ordered it. He's already ordered it. What else did he do? So he's already ordered the production of syringes, and he's already ordered the transporting and the delivering of the vaccine and the syringes. In other words, he's three steps ahead already. And then they say, well... 
It's all political. I don't trust them. You do understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the Democrats have done literally nothing to help us deal with this virus, and they control the House of Representatives. They've done literally nothing. Biden and Harris have come up with literally no positive suggestions on what to do. Nothing whatsoever. And they sit there and they shoot spitballs because that's all they've got. And then some of our fellow idiots in this country, Biden and Harris, I think I read somewhere, 17% higher rating in dealing with the virus. They haven't even dealt with the virus. Some days it's tough to take. And then we have Kamala Harris, cut nine, go. As you know, President Trump has promised a coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year or maybe sooner. Would you trust that vaccine? Now, stop. Here's a so-called reporter, Dana Bash, that got her job because her father was a senior producer at ABC and then CNN. In my humble opinion, that's how she got her job. Certainly part of the reason. Just as Michelle Obama got her first job in the Chicago machine, because her father knew somebody. May I say this? I think I will say this. Oh, yes, I did. Would you trust that vaccine? What kind of question is this? From a mental midget, that's what it is. It's like a setup. Go ahead. I think that we have learned since this pandemic started. By the way, have you noticed the snark and the condescension from this idiot? And she is an idiot. I think we've learned uh, since this pandemic started, but really before that. Go ahead. Before that, that there's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Um, From the beginning of this pandemic, he has called... Notice, notice. These two say they're going to bring the country together. We want unity. Notice Dana Bash sits there with that constipated look on her face and doesn't interrupt. Say, wait a minute, I asked you a question. But Dana Bash is in on it. Go ahead. Hoax? He's muzzled the public Okay, he never said it's a hoax. He never said the virus was a hoax. That's been fact-checked. You're such an idiot. May I say you're an idiot? I believe in treating everybody equally, regardless of genitalia and everything else. You're an idiot. You're the Spiro Agno of the ticket. Except he wasn't an idiot. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Before I get to our two callers, three callers, five callers, whatever, montage, politicians, COVID restrictions are for the people, not for us. Hat tip, Grabian, cut 13, go. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. I think that they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology. You went to the gym yesterday and Twitter lost its mind. I don't get it, but we'll move on with our lives. The gyms are all closed now, Allison. I did not for a moment think there was anything problematic because I knew the dynamics. And again, I have to stay healthy so I can make the decisions the for the people of the city. Did Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham play by her own rules when she ordered non-essential stores to shut down and lectured all New Mexicans to stay home, a non-essential business open so she could buy jewelry? Where's the first lady? Has she engaged in non-essential travel? What is your response to people who say the stay-at-home Governor order Kritzker, and non-essential Illinois. travel bans aren't being abided by your family? So I'm just not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate. And I find it reprehensible. As you know, haircuts certainly not essential during this pandemic, unless mayor you're the Lightfoot mayor of Chicago. Alone. A photo recently surfaced of Chicago Excuse Mayor me, Chicago. Lori Lightfoot posing with a hairdresser after getting a haircut. Now, she has defended herself, saying that she needed a haircut because she is the public face of the city. Debbie, getting your roots done is not essential. The state has launched an investigation into the nail bar in Beaumont following a visit from Mayor Becky Ames. Ames said, quote, as an elected official, I am held to a higher standard. I regret my action that day. I did not intend to take personal privilege while asking others to sacrifice. And for that, I am truly remorseful. You know, I went to Virginia Beach as I just. This uh, is the barely literate and incoherent governor of Virginia. People uh, that want to take pictures. And I was unprepared. This is uh, not just about me. Uh, this is about all Virginians, and it's about their public safety. And uh, so I will continue to uh, offer guidelines as to what's in everybody's best interest. Mm. Good job, Virginia. Now, uh, one more. Joe Biden, he's at the AFL-CIO virtual event on Sunday. And there's a teleprompter. He needs a tele- teleprompter to answer the questions. So he knows the questions in advance. His staff are given the questions in advance. Cut 14, go. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic bargain in this country. Oh, my God. This guy needs help. And and the Democrats nominate him? I mean, quite seriously. Can you play that again? It's so unbelievable. Go ahead. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic bargain in this country. God. Seriously, folks? Seriously? Let's go to Lou... In Acala, Florida, a young lady. How are you, Lou? The great WSKY. Hey, listen, um, I just wanted to say that I was really surprised at American Airlines getting their employees to wear BLM. I think that's great. Now they're exposed, and wherever possible, I will not use American Airlines. Absolutely. 
Another thing is you were the first, and you continue to do it, to get across to this country that what we have is a communist revolution. Mm -hmm. This isn't about Democrat. It isn't about Republican. It's not about parties anymore. They don't want parties. And these idiots who are going along with this, whether it's corporate or these governors or whoever, don't realize that they're going to be the first ones eaten when the communists do. Look look how some of these mayors have had to move out of their houses. Exactly. They're so stupid. And the thing is, is that they lie, lie, lie. But the one thing, the one thing they've told the truth on, and you keep hitting home, is that 110-page communist manifesto. Mm -hmm. Now, why don't the Republicans do something smart? I get 50 emails a day from every Republican candidate in the book. And by the way, the texts never stop. The texts never stop. Yeah, and you have to pay, some people have to pay data on that. Where's Romney? Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Why don't they do something with their links and say, okay, you want $42, you want double, triple? The people who are marketing Trump are terrible. And the thing is, is that if they would say, okay, we're going to click to you the link to the 110-page Communist Manifesto that Bernie Sanders is fomenting on to Biden, because Biden wouldn't be able to write a manifesto to save his life, and... um, so people can start to really read that and read what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about these college-educated women in the suburbs. You really want to educate yourself about something and, and not about hating Trump or hating his hair or hating his tweets. This is about college. You're, you're good, Lou. I want to read you something my wife sent me today. See what you think about this. I think it's brilliant. She said, we believe with good reason that the anarchists are being paid, many of them anyway, we know they travel to different states, interstate, to commit criminal, unlawful acts. What about a RICO action? A RICO action. We, she said, we understand we need defendants' names, but is there some way to do this? Turn state and local inaction into federal jurisdiction due to interstate travel uh, to commit criminal activity. I agree with this, don't you? Well, I do. I completely agree with it. And you had William Barr on the other night, and that is something I would think that he'd be just champing at the bit. You got to believe they're thinking about it. You know, they've had had a number of arrests, and a number of these uh, crimes are federal. Hmm. So you know, it's like, come on, get on with it already, and get to the money. Always follow. I agree. Something, somebody. There's a Mister Big somewhere. All right, Lou. Well done. It's a great hearing from you. Let us continue. Joan, Eugene, Oregon, the great K-U-G-N. Go. Just wanted to say, Mark, thank God for you. Hmm. You're the best historian I have ever heard, and I've gone to some pretty good history classes. But I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you well, so thank much you. for everything you... I, I love your Sunday stations. Sunday programs. I watch them twice. I get them at 5 o'clock and at 8. So just wanted you to know you've got a... I'm a Trumper from way back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joan. And God bless you, my friend. Let's keep going. David, Dundee, Illinois, XM Satellite, go. Mark, you are amazing. I listen to you every night. Thank you. I just stumbled upon a video on Facebook about the restaurant tours that were disrupted by Black Lives Matter. Awful. Have you seen that video yet? Yes, it's awful. Awful. Horrible. 
Yeah. And and uh, what did they do to deserve having their meals thrown on top of them? That mm-hmm. poor restaurant owner having his restaurant torn apart. I just I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Terrible. No. I. Mark, I started my company at 27. I, I worked two jobs day and night because I didn't have money to live on or eat. But did I complain? Did I look for handouts? Mm-hmm. I just don't get how Black Lives Matter feels like we need to give up our resources and everything that we've worked for and give it to them. Mm-hmm. For what? All right, my friend, thank you. All weekend long, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Trudge was promoting convicted liar, felon, Michael Cohen's book. All weekend long. Why do you think he was doing that? Why do you think he was doing that? I was told somebody was up there for three days. Pretty shocking. Now, you know Matt Drudge didn't read the book. He doesn't read any books. But there he is pushing Michael Cohen's book. Cozing up the CNN and MSNBC. Incredible. Why do you think he's trying to sabotage Trump and trying to get Joe Biden elected president of the United States? Why do you think he's siding with Black Lives Matter and Antifa? Why do you think he hates the cops that undermines the military and supports open borders? Because if you defeat Trump, that's what you get. Why do you think he's doing all those things? Pretty incredible. That's why you don't need to go to his website anymore. It's like going to Media Matters. Media Matters. Jacqueline! Southbridge, Virginia, the great WMAL. How are you? Hi, Mark. Um, I've been listening to the show just, you know, ever since I was really little, just the channel in general. Like, I've been listening to it since I was five, so I'm a really big fan. Um, Well, WMAL has a tremendous lineup. It's a great station. Yeah. So um, I'm currently a senior in high school, and something I definitely noticed is that BLM, Antifa, all of these organizations – they market towards children, they market towards teenagers, because they think that we're going to be the ones that are going to go and, like, cause all this anarchy. And you know what? It kind of does work in that sense that not all of us are as educated as we like to think that we are. You've seen what they're doing to our schools all over the country. They're trying to take history classes out of it. Like, they're trying to take away our history because they think it is racist. And, like, If we don't learn our history, then we're bound to repeat it. That's just how it is. I've learned that ever since I was young. You're you're not only right, but it is they who are the racists. It is they who run up to white people at restaurants, elderly people. It is they who demand that white people deny their white privilege. They are the racists. They are the racists. Marx was a racist. Uh, And that's what they embrace. And if you look at Marxism all over the world, you can see how racist it is. Uh, Castro was a racist. Uh, uh, the uh, the dark-skinned uh, Cubans were abused more than any others. You can see the racism in uh, communist China with respect to Muslims and others, Tibetans. 
Marxism is, is a deadly, racist, genocidal ideology, and that's the one being pushed. I'm very aware of that. Like, I mean, the amount of times that we've seen these people, like the leaders of these groups, literally idolize Karl Marx or even like, you know, just the ideas of communism and socialism in general. It's, it's terrifying, truly. All right, my friend. Thank you. By the way, why do you think most of the other radio hosts don't condemn Drudge? Isn't that weird too, Mr. Producer? He makes his fortune, makes his sight from conservatives, most recently Donald Trump, and then he flips. He flips, kind of like Alger Hiss, you know. Not that he's Alger Hiss, I'm just making a parallel. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. As this election gets close, that is election day, on life, liberty, and live in, I'm not going to waste any Sundays. Each one will be very, very important as we try to make the case for the election of this president and the defeat of Joe Biden and the counter-revolution. I'm trying to do this every day behind this microphone as well and on Levin TV, which is also very, very important if you haven't joined us over there. So I'm not holding back anything. The only other day that I'm aware of that I'm taking off, there's one or more, one or two days for the Jewish holidays and one other holiday. Um, but that's it. It's a pedal to the metal. And I hope you'll stick with us for each and every day. It's very, very important. Let's go to Kathy, Scranton, Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Now, first of all, Joe Biden may be from Scranton, but he, he left Scranton as a little kid, and now he brings up Scranton whenever he thinks he needs votes out of Pennsylvania. Thing about him. He flip-flops on everything. First, he's not going to ban fracking. Then he's banning fracking. Now he's talking 38% tax hike. Now he's talking like whatever Bernie Sanders and his manifesto. He mm-hmm. is the puppet. And he is the puppet for Bernie Sanders. And, and by the way, Kathy, he's lying about fracking right there in the 110-page Communist Manifesto that he put out with Bernie Sanders. 
They want to get rid of fossil fuels in the next 10 to 15 years. That means fracking. That means even more than fracking, which is absolutely nuts. You're going to drive up the cost of gasoline three, four, five times. You're going to create shortages. Uh, we're finally energy independent. But he wants to, you know, this energy is the, it's, 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 the engine of the capitalism can't run. So he's going to attack it. Right. And it would kill Pennsylvanians mm-hmm. and we would lose everything. He's the nowhere man in the Beatles. Yeah, you know, exactly. Living in his nowhere land with his nowhere plans. All his plans are Bernie Sanders. I just hope the people of Pennsylvania and these other states all over the country understand. The target's not the billionaires. The target for the left is the people who make this country work. All of you. Thank you, Kathy. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Folks, join us right here tomorrow. Check out Levin TV. We're plowing ahead. We're not looking back. Stick with us. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.